right, welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited uh, to do another podcast. Uh, Obviously, we call it a belief cast, as you know by now. And I've had some amazing guests on over the last several months, and today is no different. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know and understand Clint Pulver. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. I'm I'm excited to be here. So happy to have you here. A little background on Clint. Uh, He's been a professional drummer for over 20 years. Um, he founded the Green Man Group, uh, that's a drum line for the UVU, uh, uh, University of, uh, how do you say that? U- Utah Valley, right? Yeah, Utah yeah. Valley University. Okay, there yeah. we go. Um, and also the drum line for the Utah Jazz. Is that's that right. correct? You directed that? Correct. Um, he's been in a few movies. Uh, you know, you're, he's a seasoned motivational speaker, uh, inspirational guy. He plays the drums and he entertains, but it motivates at the same time. I mean, a true powerhouse. Um, and I'm so excited to have you on here. We, we've been talking about this for a while now, and here we are finally. We made it happen. We finally. made it happen, yeah. yes. So, um, so yeah, let's kind of just start at the, the beginning. Let, let our listeners know a little bit about your background, where you grew up, a little bit about your family. Awesome. So I, uh, I grew up in Heber City, Utah, and uh, I'm the oldest of uh, all boys. And oh, then I've got two younger brothers, so okay. the oldest of three. And uh, I, growing up in Heber City was awesome. It's a small town. At one point in Heber, there were more cows than people. And uh, so uh, it's grown a lot since then, but it's still home. My parents still live there. Oh, really? Okay. And then we also, I also kind of grew up in Texas and Kansas a little bit as well while my dad was going to school. But for the most part, Heber City is is what I claim to be home. Is home. Yeah, right. it's great. Good small town upbringing. I loved it. Right on. So um, you grew up there. Talk a little bit about growing up in Heber. I mean, a small town, obviously. How did that, how was that growing up? Did you enjoy it? Was it a tough time? Was it, you know, sometimes you hear these smaller towns are tough, but what was your experience? I loved it. I loved it. And I still love it. Heber will always and forever be home. And it's, it's that small town community, that small town feel where, I mean, kind of everybody knows everybody and some people hate that. But for me, I love that. It was I loved going to, you know, we'd go to the local grocery store and you'd see people that you knew. And right. it was this place of where you felt like you were connected, not just a number in a massive community. And and I loved that. And growing out in the country, I mean, we had a, a childhood, me and my brothers and just our, our friends in the community of uh, being out in the field and, and floating on the river and fishing right. and growing up playing in the backyard and uh, horses and I don't know. So it's, it, it was just, uh, I loved it. I had a great childhood. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it. That's awesome. Well, you know, for those who don't know you, I mean, I've, I've got to know you quite a bit over the last several months and, uh, you know, you, you have a very powerful message that you share now, uh, to the people you talk to. And we're going to get to that in a minute, but let's, how did, you know, I want to go back to how that all kind of took shape. Uh, and it started when you were a young kid where, you know, you're having an issue in school uh, or at home even where you couldn't sit still. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was the kid uh, that would, that would sit in class and I was constantly moving. Uh, I'm having a hard time even just in the end. Like I have to subconsciously uh, and consciously make the choice to sit still. But I, uh, I just tapped. My right hand would tap. My my left hand would tap. My feet would move. I just, uh, you know, whether you call it ADD or ADHD or whatever, at the at the time that was kind of on the rise as things they were diagnosing uh, people with that that had a hard time focusing and paying attention uh, during times of, uh, you know, for me it was when I was in class, right. and 
I, I and and obviously I mean if some if you're sitting next to someone and they're tapping or they're you know tapping their foot or they're clicking their pen like that gets annoying really fast. <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah. I got I got I got teased, I got harassed, I got bullied, I got nicknamed, I got called the twitcher by oh, other Lord. kids, I got called the tapper. Um, and it wasn't even just the kids, it was even even the teachers. The teachers would constantly say, Clint, I need you to sit still. Clint, I need you to stop tapping. Clint, I need you to like, and and then one day there was a a female teacher. She lost it. She uh, finally snapped and she said, I need you, I need you to leave. I need you to go. I need you to, someone else needs to deal with you because I don't know how to do it. Right. Because I've told you time and time to, to sit still and you never sit still. And so she sent me down in the principal's office and I walked in and I was, I mean, I was, I was 10 at the time. I was in the fifth grade. And I still remember sitting there and the principal walking in and he looked at me and he said, so what's up? Why'd you get sent here? Right. What's going what's on? Going you on? know, why, why did Miss Weiler send you down to the office? And I said, it's, it's because it's because I just, I tap. It's because I move and yeah. I always have a hard time just sitting still. And I said, I don't mean to, I don't, you know, it's, and half the time I don't, I don't even know I'm doing Realize it. You're doing yeah, it yeah. Yeah. It was just every time I would focus or I would concentrate. Yeah. How old were you at this time? I was you? 10. You were 10. Yeah, I was 10 years old. Were, were you sad at this time when you were being teased and yeah, teachers were sure. frustrated with you? Were you like going, were you, were you questioning yourself? Like, why can't I stop? Or yeah, I mean, there was, there was the, the part of it was like, just let it be like, it's not that big of a deal, but it honestly helped me as well. It was a channeling as I would tap or I, it would allow my brain to focus. It would allow me to concentrate. And so it kind of bugged me because it was something that I did that helped me, but then other people saw as a problem okay. and, and as an annoyance and as a nuisance. And so, uh, and the principal, after hearing this conversation, he looked at me and he said, okay, listen, I, I'm going to send you back to class. But when you, when you, when you feel like you have to tap, when you feel like you have to hit something, I want you to just sit on your hands, just sit on your hands. <laughs> right. Don't touch anybody. Don't touch this. Just, just sit still. And so I went back to class and literally not more than five minutes into class, I started, I started tapping again, right. but then I remembered that I needed to sit on my hands. But when I sat on my hands, my feet would start tapping <laughs> and it happened. It happened again yeah. and again. And then there was one teacher though. Uh, there was one teacher and his name was Mr. Jensen okay. and older teacher, been teaching for a long time. Uh, white hair, Coke bottle glasses, blue suspenders, red tie. Uh, <laughs> right. And it wasn't always like the nicest of, of, you know, there was kids that, you know, they were afraid of Mr. Jensen. And I'll right. never forget because he yelled in class while I was tapping. And, and he looked at me and he said, Clint, I need you to stay after class. You and me stay after class. And, and it like, was oh. as I was tapping. You're like, uh-oh. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to get expelled as a 10-year-old. <laughs> as a, as a right. Like that's got to be some yeah. world record or something. And so. <laughs> right. Uh, the class is dismissed. It's an empty classroom minus me and Mr. Jensen. And he goes to the back of the room and he pulls up a chair and he says, come here. He says, come here. I want to talk to you. Come here. Come over here. And I nervously walked up and it was a big chair, little chair. And yeah. I sat down and he looked at me and he said, you know, I told you to stay after class, right? And I said, yeah, it's, yeah. it's because I tap. And he said, I know who you are. He said, you're the kid that's on the list. You're the kid that everybody talks about. You're the kid that's the problem. You're the kid that all the other teachers talk about in the faculty room. Like you don't want in him the in faculty your class. Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the kid that got sent to the principal's office two weeks ago. You tap. You do it in my class and you do it in everybody else's class. But then he said, but he said, but you know, I, I've been watching you. And he said, I, I, see, I see what you do and you'll do something. You'll do something with your right hand 
And then literally at the same time, you'll do something at a totally different tempo, at a totally different rate with your left hand. Wow. And he said, you can do it at the same time. And then simultaneously, you'll switch back and forth. He said, in big adult words, we call that ambidextrous. Right. And I was like, <laughs> Amba, what? what? <laughs> and he said, try this, try this for me. He said, can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time? And I, I remember I gave it a go and I could do it. And then he said, now switch. He said, now rub your head and tap your belly. And he said, now switch again. Now go back. Really? And, and literally without thinking about it, I could just independently switch back and forth. And in that moment, he leaned back in his desk and he laughed for a minute and he said, you know what? I don't, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. Wow. And, uh, I, I am a person and I, you know, that was one of those defining moments for me that I think I really remembered it the most, but I am a person that believes that a single moment in time can change a person's life. Yeah. And in that moment, Mr. Jensen, he leaned back and he opened the top drawer of his desk and he reached inside and he pulled out my very first pair of drumsticks, uh, my very first pair. And I'll never forget the significance of that moment. And I, I didn't know the significance of that moment as a 10-year-old. But now looking back, I mean, that was 21 years ago. 21 years ago. And I'll never yeah. forget when he put those sticks in my hands and he said, Clint, here's the deal. He said, I'm going to give these to you. He said, these are for you. And he said, I want you to promise me something, though, that you'll, you'll just try your best. Just, you, you will try your hardest to keep those sticks in your hands as much as you can. <laughs> Just keep them in your hands yeah. and let's and let's see what happens. And uh, and 21 years ago, literally almost to this day, I can sit here and 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 tell you and, and the audience members that are listening that I have tried my best to keep my promise to Mr. Jensen. Uh, I've had the opportunity to tour and record all over the world uh, playing the drums. I've been on America's Got Talent. I, I ended up going to college. I had no idea what I wanted to study. Right. But I had drumsticks in my hands. Yeah, right. I graduated uh, from Utah Valley University uh, in 2012 with zero college debt. Zero. Wow. And the reason was music scholarships. Yeah. And uh, wow. you know, and I don't, I don't say that all of that just you know, wow, Clint, look at you, or wow, right. Clint, that's am- that's not the reason I'm telling the story. The reason I'm telling it is because of one person. Yep. One person that saw something in me that I didn't even see within myself. Yeah. And in doing so, help me to write a better story. Yeah. And uh, it's the wow. power of a Mr. Jensen. Well, you know, what's interesting too is imagine if that never would have happened. Now, it could have happened in another way, probably down the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But imagine if he keeps you after class and he really was going to scold you, like saying, you know, if you don't stop tapping, you're out of my class. Totally. But yet that didn't happen, thank goodness. But I, I just think how different the story would have been had you really been in trouble. Yeah. And I think, and I love the story about Mr. Jensen because he obviously saw, and he probably doesn't just see this in you, he sees it in probably everyone, like the goodness and the greatness that they really truly are. Yeah. You know, I'm in that same kind of business where I get to help people see who they really truly are outside of the issues they've had. That's right. You know, I work with a lot of people who have, you know, mental health stuff like bipolar, and we work on how bipolar is actually a gift. Yeah. It's not a curse. Yeah. And when you shift that belief system, it's amazing. So when you said this to me, I mean, I got chills. And by the way, listeners, I mean, there's an amazing video on on your website, uh, clintpulver.com, on the about page. 
that has this very video of Mr. Jensen and, mm-hmm. and little young Clint yeah. tapping away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it'll make you cry. I'm not kidding you. But uh, um, how did that play out? So you get these drumsticks, right? You're yeah. 10 years old. Um, I would imagine you went home and told mom and dad or, I mean, where did kind of go back? Just give us a little, did, when did you get your first drum set and when did you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, what did your parents great, think about this? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, to be in, in all honesty, when I, my parents, they, they, and my mom first, uh, she was like a drum, oh, uh, drums out of all the instruments. <laughs> right. Like, great. <laughs> like, can't so you play loud. the flute or, or something, the harp? Uh, yeah, it's just, they're just so loud. And my mom, she, uh, she's the, an amazing woman. I love right. her, but she, she, she struggled uh, with migraines and headaches uh, for a long time. And, the yeah. and then I want her, her son comes and wants a drum set. Uh, that it's kind of an interesting story that I, because, because Mr. Jensen was a person who advocated for me. Right. And didn't just develop me mm. like a lot of teachers, even parents, uh, therapists, managers, court, what they try to develop people. How can I develop you? How can I, how can I, how can I get you from one place and get you to another place where, an advocator is someone who, and in my opinion too, a great mentor is someone who connects people with their dreams. Yeah, it's I someone who, that. who because I believe that every person is asking the question, let me know when it gets to the part about me. Right. And I think as an educator, Mr. Jensen did that so well. When I when I came home, I never, I, this was, this was probably, uh, I'd say maybe two or three years after Mr. Jensen had given me sticks. And I came to my mom and then I said, mom, I want a drum set. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been practicing. I've been playing. We know your pots and pans could use a break. <laughs> right. Like I want a drum set. Yeah. And my mom looked at me and she said, have you, have you seen your report card? Mm. And I was like, yeah, but mom, please. Like I, she said, okay, I'll tell you what. Cause my mom has, she's a great developer in my life. Very right. good at it. And not, not that there's anything wrong with development. Development sure. is so important, it's critical, but, yeah. but so is advocating. It's that balance. Yeah. And so my mom, as a great developer, she looked at me and she said, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, if you get, if you get your, your grades up, if you change some of those C's and D's to A's and B's, we'll, 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 we'll help you get a drum set. Hmm. My dad, my dad has been an amazing advocator okay. in my life. Right. My dad's in the computer room listening to all of this happen. Uh-huh. I end the conversation with mom. I walk past the computer room. My dad goes, Psst, Clint, come here. He says, come here, get in here. Mm-hmm. I walk in and my dad says, hey, listen, I heard you were talking to your mother. <laughs> and he said, I, I hear you right. want a drum set. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dad, I've been, I've been practicing. I want one. It's like, I'm, I'm at that level. Like I wanted, right. that's where I want to go. And he says, okay. He said, come here. And in my dad's computer room was all of his old CDs. And he pulled out a CD by the band called Rush. Mm. And he said, he said, son, he said, this band, he said, and not just the band, but the drummer, the drummer. Yeah. His name is Neil Pert. He will change your life forever. (laughs) And he said, take this CD. And he said, I want you to learn it. I want you to learn the songs. Listen, listen to how he plays. Listen to what he does. Uh, And and, and he said, but wait, before you, before you go. And he he went, he reached up to the second shelf and he grabbed out a CD by the band called Def Leppard. Oh yeah. And he said, this drummer this drummer doesn't have two arms. He's got one arm. And he said, he will, the, the music, the sound, he said, son, you learn how to play, pour some sugar on me. I'll love you forever. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. and, and gave me these CDs. And, and, you know, my mom, my mom was all about developing me and helping right. me to get, 
you know, to, to become better. It was that carrot sure. and stick. Like you do this, we'll help you get this. But my dad also realized that I had a dream Yeah. and he advocated for he that. Advocated. Yeah. And he got to the part about me and in doing so, I've never forgotten him for it. You wow. know, those little moments. And so that was a, a significant story in how both my parents played a major role in helping me to not only get a drum set, but become a better person at the same time. Yeah. Wow. You know, I had the opportunity. I actually went to Def Leppard uh, concert at the Salt Palace back in the early 90s. Yeah, and buddy. Tesla opened up for him. And it was it was the drummer. He had one arm and he had like 20 foot pedals. Yes. And the stage was in the center of the Salt Palace. And it was a rotating stage. And dude, he, would st- he did this drum solo with his feet and one arm. It's unbelievable. I was blown away. Yeah. It was the most incredible. I can still remember to this day mm-hmm. uh, how incredible that was. And I was a huge Def Leppard fan. And then yeah. obviously Neil Peart. I mean, totally. he's on another yeah, they're level. Legends. They're legends. Yeah. Yeah. So really cool. Yeah. It was a cool, you know, it, and it is. It's easy to figure out what's wrong with people or it's easy to see the problem. But the miracles happen when you when you start to figure out what's right. Yeah. Yeah. And when you can get to the the, the part that moves people, that inspires people to that that part that they like themselves best when they're with you. Right. And when you can be that person for somebody else, uh, everything changes. Yeah. That's how connection takes place. And Mr. Jensen was that person that he communicated my potential and my worth so well to the point that I saw it within myself. And I learned better because of that. He'd asked me to do something in class. I would do it. Be all over. You know, because he cared. He valued me. Mm -hmm. It was not, uh, there was a relationship there that, uh, was a win-win, right? Yeah, wow, so. that's amazing. Um, so let's. What other? You know, if if we get into, a, you know, you you start playing the drums. You, you obviously are passionate about it. You love it. You're doing. <clears throat> you do that. You get into high school and this and that. And then, you know, where did it transition to where I'm not only going to be a drummer, but I want to go, do kind of what Mr. Jensen did to you, where you wanted to go out and advocate for people and help them connect with their dreams. And, and that's what you're doing now, which we'll get into in a minute, but I mean, which is incredible. But how did that all kind of take place? Yeah, I, I never, I, I never grew up like saying to myself, like, I, I want to be a, I want to be a speaker. Right. I want to be a professional. Like that was never, I grew up in that, in a small town, like we mentioned, and we never had, we never had speakers that, that came to speak. I, we just didn't, it wasn't a thing. I didn't know that that was a possibility. I wanted to fly. I, I, there was nothing that sounded better to me than, than being a helicopter pilot. I wanted to save people's lives in the air. Oh, okay. So you have your pilot's license, right? I do. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. forgot to mention that in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. I went to flight school and, uh, and then I, I, I served a two year mission for my church and I got home and I had to renew my driver's license and I couldn't pass the, the vision test. Oh, really? And long story short, that was the that was the day I got diagnosed with a rare degenerative eye disease, known as keratoconus, mm. and uh, my corneas were dying. My my corneas were thinning, and I was gonna go blind by age thirty five. Uh, they said anywhere from age thirty one to thirty five, I would lose, I would completely lose my eyesight. And you're how and old now? I was twenty one at that that point. Oh, okay. And uh, it was. It was that was a tough day because there I was sure, as, as a young yeah. person who literally had my eye on the sky and then watched as the sky fell in all around me. So I went from wow. having purpose and drive and significance and people would ask me what I want to do when I grow up and I always knew the answer. Right. To now that's not a that's not a now possibility. What? Yeah. yeah. And so uh 
I ended, so that's where I ended up, you know, going to college and, and doing that. But again, speaking was never a part of that. I, I, at least as far as a career, I, I spoke in church when I was a senior in high school and there was a, a, a person who owned a leadership consulting company that heard me speak Okay. and he came up after and he said, Hey, I want you to come speak at a leadership conference with a bunch of other high school students. And I said, yeah no thanks. <laughs> like I have no desire like, to go yeah. speak to other. High, I was, I was a senior in high school. I right. knew what high school students were like. I said, no, I'm good. Yeah. But then he said, he's like, Hey, listen, I'll pay you 500 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, what day do you need? Yeah, me? really? I'll like, be yeah, there. Yep. I, it yeah. sounds wonderful. And so I ended up going down and I, I did that at a, at a university with a big leadership conference for student body officers. And I loved it. Uh, there was a time in my life where I felt like I was doing something bigger than myself. Right. And I felt like I mattered and I felt like I made an impact and I felt like there was value that I was, I was giving. And I, I put together this little workshop called to the beat of the drum and everybody had buckets and drumsticks. And I just, I just taught teamwork principles that I had learned through music. No way. And That's awesome. I, at the end of the, 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 the day I had six other schools that came up and said, we want you to come and speak at our school. And I, I said, I, what, wait, you have, and they said, yeah, we bring speakers in. And I didn't know that that was a thing. Right. And long story short, I ended up going and doing those six schools. And uh, that was kind of the start of the potential possibility of speaking. And I did that all through college. And yeah. I was with a speaker bureau uh, that uh, they don't exist anymore. But at the time they were, they were great. They kept me busy. I just thought I had a cool college job. Sure, I again, yeah. never looked at it as, <laughs> as a career. And then I ended up going, uh, and doing, uh, intensive medical training and, uh, was an orthopedic specialist and oh, worked really? in the OR post college, I graduated in speech communication and leadership, but again, kind of chased the money if to be completely honest and, and, yeah. and, uh, the stability and thought that that would work and, uh, kind of put my dreams and purpose and passion and I kind of put that aside to, to chase that stability. Yeah. And uh, I ended up, I was in the medical field five years post-college and I was just miserable. I was just not where I was supposed to be. And I, the thing that was, that, that was the caveat is in, in college, I was, I was taught at the, the center for the advancement of leadership. I, I had learned from people like Stephen Covey right and 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 the Dell Carnegie Corporation and you know all about significance and purpose and passion and what it really meant to live you know Mark Twain always said there's two important days in a person's yeah. life the day you're born and then the day you figure out why yeah. and i was not doing what every day what i was supposed to do and then i had another mentor in college who shared uh, a quote that literally haunted me almost every day in my professional post college career really? And it was a quote by Oscar Wilde that said, to live is yeah. the rarest thing in the world for most people merely exist. Exist, yep. And I, I was existing quote. every single day. And uh, again, another long story short, I, I, I ended up, I quit. I put in my two weeks notice <laughs> and I jumped. I burned all the ships, literally. And uh, this was uh, two and a half years ago and jumped back into the speaking career full time and have never looked back. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah. Again, it's those little moments in time that you're talking about that can just change everything. That's right. I think the the Greeks call it a Kairos moment, Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. transformational moment in time, like a tap on the shoulder. 
hey, this is going to change your life if you'll listen to this yep. and do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been amazing to see how the doors have opened. And it has been a lot of work. Sure. It's not been an easy road. Right. But <clears throat> again, when you're on that path of purpose, when you're when you feel like you're doing something again, and I, I call it the, the anomaly, right? When you have the chance to do what you love. But secondly, you have the opportunity that within that to provide financially for yourself in a way mm-hmm. that's sufficient for you. Right. And then third, it allows you to do something bigger than yourself. So purpose. Yeah. Uh, if you if you have a job or a career, something that allows you to do that most of the time, uh, you're living. You're, you're living. doing something that's just rare. Yeah. And that, that a lot of people, I don't know, uh, get to really claim that. And I call it the anomaly. Yeah. You have the opportunity to become the anomaly to Be, live, not just exist. Yeah, I love that. I love that philosophy. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I share this with my clients all the time. Quit quoting Buddha and be Buddha. I love it. Be oh, it. I love it. Just I be love it. it. I love it. You know what it. I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I stole that from Eckhart Tolle, by the way, from The Power of Now. But uh, <clears throat> it's so it's true. Awesome. It's so awesome. true. Well, you know, I I think that's amazing what you're doing. So let's uh, let's you know, let our listeners kind of know what are you doing now and what's, you know, describe your day. What does a day look like in Clint's day? Yeah. So our, our business has kind of morphed quite a bit. I started out in the youth market, uh, in the, in, in high schools and middle schools, elementary schools, and I will never leave that. I love that, that my, the kids right. yeah. and there's nothing like it. But then what happened is corporations saw what we were doing with the kids and they said, can you help our management learn how to do that? Uh, because we're we're struggling to retain and engage millennials and Gen right, Z, sure. and how do we keep them in our organization and 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 how do we retain them? How do we keep them loyal? How do we keep them engaged? And so that's morphed into now uh, we speak to teens still colleges, uh, and then we also do educator a lot of educator events. Okay, and then now we're we're uh, probably I would say sixty to seventy sixty to seventy percent of our business is now in the corporate space. Uh, we started what's called the undercover uh, millennial program. So oh. I go in undercover into corporations all over the country really? a- as a millennial. <laughs> and I am a millennial. And so right. I walk into the organization uh, seeking employment and I'm looking to apply for the job. And as I apply I or are looking for an application, I just ask as many as, as I can, as many employees as I can about the job. <clears throat> and I ask them what it's like to work there. Really? Tell me about the employee experience. Tell me about your management. Tell me about how long you're going to stay here. Right. What's it like to, to be a part of this organization? And then a kind of similar to like the show Undercover Boss, if yeah. you've ever seen oh, that. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah. Uh, but we film them. We have I have cameras, uh, hidden cameras on my body, and we get permission from the organization, and we go in and we capture their stories. We capture their voice, and then what we do is we create a highlight reel that's about two to three minutes long, and we pixelate right. out every employee's face, and we protect their identity, and then I, I present uh, keynotes uh, across the globe on what's working within the organization because, uh, you know, so much of what this podcast is about is is you, there's nothing wrong with you, right? and people think that there's something wrong with the millennial generation. Or the Gen Zs, or right. they're just uh, I can't. There's so many stereotypes. There's so many stigmas, and what we're doing is we're breaking that, and we're showing people that it's it's not so much a problem with this generation. It, it's it's 
because uh, we found uh, they're not leaving they're not leaving companies they're leaving bosses they're mm. leaving bad management right uh, you know and and they're leaving organizations where they don't feel seen heard and understood and uh, we create that that piece where people uh, the executives the management team the leadership team really they really get to hear their people right. in a way that's not a survey yeah, it's it, real, it's, it's, it's raw, yeah, it's, it's real genuine. and authentic, absolutely. Yeah. And we focus on the good, not just the bad. Right, it's not right. there to undercover, you know, uncover the dirt. It's it's just we get the authentic truth, yeah. and in doing so, it allows companies to get better. Yeah. And uh, it's so so that's been a new uh, segue into what we're doing. So a day in the life consists of uh, balancing all, uh, <laughs> all of that. Right. Yeah, and, and writing a new book that's coming out in oh, the right in the spring. Uh, so the days when I'm not on the road consist a lot of, of writing, writing. What's, yeah. do you know what it's going to be called yet? Or? Yeah. The title, the title right now, uh, for, for the book is I love it here. How great leaders create an organization. Their people never want to leave. Oh, right on. I and love so it. it's all about, uh, helping it. leaders to create a business that, that helps people to thrive and survive. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Thank very you. cool. Thank you. Very, very cool. Wow. Um, so do you, when you're, do you do your drum kind of routine when you're, when you're every time you speak kind of thing, or is, is that part of your, I would say about 95% of the time. Yeah. We've got the drums up there and it's a rock concert and yeah. I tell the story third person. And so the audience doesn't know that I'm the kid. And then oh, okay. at the end we reveal and we reveal the drum set and it's this kind of surprise. And then uh -huh. you get to see the full circle story. Right. Right. I think sometimes, you know, maybe as a, as a counselor or an educator mm -hmm. or even as a manager, sometimes you don't get to see the full circle effect right. of what your goodness really did for a person's life. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and it doesn't mean that it's not impactful. Sure. And so it, it shows the audience that full circle impact of what a mentor can be of what happens when you choose to advocate, not just develop. Right. What happens when you choose to connect people with their dreams? It's. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a yeah, it is a rock show. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and I notice sometimes, or maybe every time, you put on a blindfold. Yes, yeah, yeah. we play blindfolded. Yeah, yeah, yeah with yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched one of your drum solos on YouTube, and I was like, wow. I mean, you're, I mean, you're good. I mean, oh, thank you. You know, I'm, I always, I was one of those kids that always wanted to play the drums, but I can't do the rub your shoulder or your stomach <laughs> and rub your head at this. I mean, I, I can't. It's my never arms. too late, Todd. It's never I, too I late. I know it's never too. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll hire you to teach me. Deal, deal. We'll do drum lessons. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um, what what's been the most, uh, I guess, um, I don't know, powerful day in your, you know, the most powerful day you've experienced, or the most powerful experience you've had in speaking with a group, you know, what's been. What's a moment that you can describe that like, man, this, this was one of those moments that I'll never forget. And I'm sure you get that a lot. Cause you know, I've, you know, when you're in that realm, you get a lot of these experiences, but is there one that stands out or. Yeah. There, there's always, uh, um, there's always those moments when you know that you have the audience. And what I mean by that is, is yeah. there's that connection where they are with you. They are, they, you, there's that, there's that bond. And I know that sounds weird, but when you're on that stage, and you have a bond with, you know, 500, 500. to 10,000. I mean, that's, it's right. just a, it's a very, uh, for me, it's a, somewhat overwhelming because there's a lot of responsibility there. 
Mm-hmm. There, there's the, I call it the privilege of the platform. If you have that platform, that's a privilege and you need to honor that and you need to hold that, uh, wow. sacred, you know, that's a, that's a big, that's a big deal. And, and there are people in that audience. And for me, it's always about one. If there's one person that I was supposed to be there right. for that person, for that reason, uh, then that's what it, that's what it's about. And, and one moment I'll never forget uh, was at a high school in Georgia and a girl came up to me and she handed me a note and she said, I don't need this anymore. And she had tears in her eyes and I just, I, I told her, thank you for the note. Right. And then she left and I have no idea who she is. I have no idea, uh, what her name is. Um, but I opened the note after I got out in my car after the event and it was her suicide note oh, wow. that she had wrote that morning. And, uh, um, yeah, that was a moment like, and I started yeah. sobbing in the car. It was, it was, you know, that, that effect. And I think there's sometimes, you know, people look at a speaker or, you know, do you really influence, do you really impact change? And, and, and me answering that question, I would say, no, I don't, I don't change anybody's lives. Uh, the people change their own lives. Yeah, I love it. That's... But as a speaker, you have that opportunity and that responsibility to influence and impact and inspire and hopefully open up a window to where people feel empowered to change their own lives, yeah. to make those decisions. You are that catalyst. You are that vehicle that that can invoke people to change. Yeah. And, and that's just, oh, there's nothing better. Wow, dude, there's that's beautiful. Better. What a story, man. Yeah, I could see why that that was a moment you'll never forget uh, to have that impact on of someone who's thinking about in, ending their life. Yep. And yep. to know that yeah, you had that, uh, would you say the privilege of the platform? Yeah, the privilege of the platform. Wow, I love that. Yeah. So cool. Um, if, you know, we were talking kind of a little bit off the air uh, about maybe, you know, giving our listeners a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's a challenge that you could give our listeners and myself that... Uh, we could maybe utilize in our lives that will help us? Uh, for me, I, I would say that there's power. William Damon out of Stanford did a study with, with young people, uh, and I think the same holds true for any age group. But in the study with young people, they found that only about 20% could answer when asked the question, tell us what your purpose is in life. Mm. Tell us what your direction is. Only 20% could really clearly answer that. So that leaves us with 80% of young people that just said, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I travel a lot and speak to a lot of kids. And I ask that question, you know, tell me what you want to do when you grow up. You know, what, what what's right. your plan? And a number one answer I get is I want to be a YouTube star. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's number one I get from kids or some sort of social media influencer. Mm-hmm. But the second response I get is, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. But in the study, they, they focused on the 20% of kids that knew. And they found that the number one contributing factor as to how people found significance and purpose in their lives was through the association and connection with other purposeful people. Really? People like Mr. Jensen's. Yes. People like great mentors, people that advocated, not just developed, people that saw potential, not limitations, uh, people that, that decided to empower, not shame. Those purposeful people that when people are around them, they go, I like myself best when I'm with you. The, the people that when when you're around 
them, you go, I want to be like you. Right. I want to have what you have. I want to do what you do. I'm inspired. And so my challenge is, is to find one, maybe two people like that in your life right. that you know, that you have a relationship with in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's a coworker, a, a mentor, a boss, uh, a, a brother or a sister. Go to those people and ask them two questions. The first question is, tell me what you see when you look at me. Hmm. Tell me what you see. Uh, and the second question is, tell me what you see me becoming. And it's wow. about creating a moment there where you give somebody, a purposeful person in your life, the opportunity to see something in you that you probably don't see within yourself. Right. And for me, my life was changed because somebody did that. Right. And if I, whether I'm on a stage or on a podcast or with a friend, whatever, if I can inspire somebody to go and create a moment with another human being that is really significant in their life, that's a moment that lasts. You never forget people for that ever, right. yeah. ever. You know, it's sure. I ask people, tell me, tell me who the last three NFL MVPs were, or <laughs> tell me who the They're last like, two Miss know, Americas yeah. were, or tell me who the last two Academy Award winners were for best actor. Nobody knows. But when I ask the question, tell me the name of an educator who made a difference in your life. Hands go up. Hands go up. Tell yeah. me the name of somebody that that's that's massively helped you to live a better story. Yeah. You you don't forget those people, yeah. and that's a defining moment. Again, a single moment in time that can that can change a person's life, yeah. and uh, it all starts with somebody seeing worth in you, and second potential, and so that first question is tell me what you see that's worth, and second tell me what you see me becoming is potential. And that's what great leaders do. That's what great mentors do. And so if you can have and create a moment where somebody has the opportunity to breathe that life into you, you'll never forget it. Wow. I love that. Wow. What a great challenge, uh, you know, for all of us. Um, I want to also add or ask you, let's put it this way, is, you know, one of your sayings is, you know, it's not about being the best in the world. It's about being the best for the world. Where did that come uh, from and and how did you kind of come up with that like this is what it's about it's not yeah. about being the best it's about being the best f for the world kind of thing yeah so I had I, it, it, I I know exactly where it came from it was uh, it was a moment that I won't forget I finished a speech and uh, there was there was a, a guy that came up to me and he said man you were really good on the drums you, you were really good and I was like I was like thanks he's like you're not the best he's like you're not the best but you know you were good and I was like. Thanks. <laughs> and I, I kind of, but I remember I said, I said, but I, I don't, I'm not trying to be the best. Mm -hmm. And I said, but everything I'm doing, everything I, when I'm on stage, I'm trying to be the best for somebody else. As a speaker, that's right. what you do. You're on stage for somebody else. If you're the speaker, that's all about you and the limelight and I'm the guy that's on the stage. That's not that like ugh, drives me crazy. Like right. I'm trying to be the best for somebody else. And that was a moment where I remembered, you know, there are, there are drummers, Todd, that are 10 times better than I am. Quicker, faster, ratter, batter, cooler. But again, I, I realized that it's not about being the best in the world. It's about being the best for the world. Wow. And that's where that saying came from. And that was a mantra that, you know, I'm not the best and I won't be the best at many things in my life. 
But again, that's not, that's not living a life of significance. And I would rather live a life of significance, not just a life of success. And for me, success is always about, you know, being the best or the biggest or the coolest or the most wealthy or whatever. And again, nothing wrong with that per se. But for me, my choice is I want to be, I want to be the best for the world. I want to live a life of significance. Wow. So that's where, that's where it came from. I love it. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. You're an amazing individual. Seriously. Like, and I'm not saying this because you're sitting here, like even when I was kind of studying who you were and, and your message and from the time Lindy originally reached out to me, it's like, you got to check this dude out. I'm like, and I was like, I'm busy. I got stuff to do. And then I finally sit down. Okay. I'm going to check this dude out. I was, I was blown away. Like, um, cause I've had a lot of people reach out to me like, Hey, they want to talk or and I'm thinking, okay, do I have time? And, sure, sure, and when sure. I saw what you were doing and I'm like, man, you're doing it on a level I want to get to, especially on the speaking stuff. I mean, um, I just, I really admire not only that you're doing it, but the, it's the message you're sharing and how you do it. I mean, I just love that it's about the other person. It's not about you. And I think that's why you're so successful. I mean, you can feel you're genuine, man. Uh, it's rare. Stan. I appreciate that a lot. It's... <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's just so cool. It's rare out there. And uh, and I see why now that everyone wants you to come speak for them and, and, and why you're so busy. I mean, are you are you on the road quite a bit throughout the year? I mean, how, what does that look like? Uh, yeah, it, it, it <laughs> ebbs and flows. It's sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's busier than others. I just got home off of a two month tour. So I was not home. I was home. Actually, <laughs> that's, that's a lie. I was home for two days during those two months, but they were just kind of quick stops. And then I was back yeah. at the airport. So it just, it just depends. Um, uh, my wife and I, Kelly, we, we don't have any kiddos yet. So, uh, it makes it a little bit easier when I don't have you know, right. a, a family sure. and then Kelly can travel with me. So oh, that's she, nice. So she comes with me on a lot of the, the trips and, and the events. And so that makes it really fun, but it does, it has its seasons, uh, coming up here, November, December, things will slow down because right. it's Christmas time and holidays and, sure. and then it'll pick up again, uh, January. But, uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. Well, yeah, listeners, you can tell his passion. You can feel it. Um, you can tell that he loves what he does. And I think that's why you're so good at it. You got to love what you do. It was kind of like when you're doing that uh, medical device job or yes. whatever you're in the OR. Yes. You were probably good at it, but you didn't love it. So exactly. you weren't, it just, you weren't the best that you could be at it that's because right. you just were like, this isn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's so funny you said it because I can relate. I, I worked in the OR as a medical device guy. I didn't know that, Tom. For like two months. And you were I like, kid I'm you, out. I'm out. You know what got me is I couldn't handle the smell. Yeah. I was oh, like, give me out of here. Yeah. When I they can't start do it. Burning st- when they started cauterizing, yeah. oh. I was like, I'm out. That's, I'm that's when I realized because <laughs> in, in the company I was working for, they're like, okay, are you? Can you handle all that? And in my head, I'm going, yeah, sure. But I'm going, no, this isn't. And I thought, I'll get better. It'll get better. It never did. Yeah. So I was in and out of there. So it's funny that's when you so share funny. that story. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, we got to talk about that. I had no we idea do. that we came from similar backgrounds yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it's a brutal world. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so funny. Well, if, uh, if we have some listeners out there, obviously, who want to get to know you better, want to follow you, they want to learn more about your message, what would be the best way and for them to reach out to you and, and to find you? Yeah, always happy to connect. They can Insta- Instagram. I love Instagram. Yeah. Uh, uh, shoot me a message uh, there. You can also find me on on the, the my website mcclintpulver.com. And uh, yeah, any anywhere I can help or be a resource or add value in any way, reach out. 
I, I'm happy to connect. And with what's anybody. your what do they call it? Your handle on Instagram? Yeah, it's just Clint Pulver. Just Clint Pulver. Yeah, C L I N T P U L V E R. Yeah, hit me up there and say what <laughs> up, and I'd love to connect. I love, I love it. it. Well, I can't thank you enough. I know how busy you are, and I know you're you got a short little window here, and you came in today. It's uh, truly it's my honor, honor to no, have yeah. you on here. No, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, let's, let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, we will. And uh, I got a few other ideas I'll share with you off off air. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, and listeners, uh, another powerhouse again. I feel so blessed. Thank you for your support. Um, like I always say, you know, if you love what I'm doing, you've loved these belief casts, and you love the guests. Please write a review. The more we get it out there, the more the message gets out there. And please, uh, you know, look up Clint Pulver. Uh, he's an amazing individual. He will inspire you and uh, reach out to him as well if you have some questions. And uh, again, thank you. This is uh, Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. And Clint, once again, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.